When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. This episode contains some strong language. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mike Duffy, Ben Ayton, and again, James Batchelor from the Watford Way uh, fan channel. Ben, we'll start with you. How's the uh, result aside for the moment? How's your weekend been, buddy? Everything been all good? Yeah, all been good. I've got petrol in my car, so I can't complain. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pleased. Um, to be fair, I've had a stressful week with work, and that's I was looking forward to a weekend just to unwind and that. But mm. we're recording on a Monday night, and it's been stressful again. So I can't wait for a weekend again. And <laughs> off when we finish recording, I'm off to play six aside football as well. So uh, it's, it's very busy for me at the moment. Um, yeah, but yeah, busy, but I'm good. Good stuff, mate. I'm glad to hear it. And James, how's uh, how's your weekend been? I, I'm, I know you're probably going to mention it, but you was at the uh, you was at the weigh-in for the Joshua Usyk fight on Friday night, weren't you? How's everything yeah. been this weekend, buddy? Well, it's not been great. Obviously, Watford drawing with Newcastle and, and AJ um, getting demolished, to be honest with you. So <laughs> apart yeah, from apart from that, it's, it's been absolutely fine. But but yeah, gutted for gutted for AJ, obviously. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm absolutely gutted for him as well. I was watching that in the uh, in the pub. Where else? Um, and yeah, he. Um, he got absolutely demolished, didn't he? You know, he just got outboxed and everything. And yeah, wasn't to be for the Watford man. Wasn't to be for Watford either. Um, I have had quite a busy weekend as well. You know, Ben talks about there. It's been absolutely manic. I can totally relate to that. I was down in Birmingham again at the weekend, and my uh, my new team played my uh, old team pretty much um, in, in my Saturday team and we won 2-0 so first clean sheet first league win of the season after winning in the cup last week so we're two unbeaten now so uh, I was absolutely buzzing come full time on that one it's just a shame that uh, Watford couldn't we're actually 1-0 down by the time we'd finished because I went into the clubhouse afterwards and someone said oh it's still 1-0 to Newcastle and then uh, there was like, oh, it's 1-1. And then they told me it was 2-1. And I was like, yes, get in there. And then, yeah, <laughs> we we all know what happened there. But, um, yeah, we like I say, we're here to talk about the Watford-Newcastle game. Uh, as always, we will start with the team news. Um, it was an unchanged team from the team that beat Norwich 3-1. Um, to be expected, really. Now, the, the only question mark I think that can be had with the team selection, Ben, is where the bloody hell is Sierra Elsa? And what has he done to not get in the team? Like, what is going on? What What are your thoughts? Do, do you think we miss him, or do you think he's been dropped? What What are your thoughts on the matter? Well, if you watched Craig Cathcart's performance at the weekend, uh, you would definitely say we've missed Sirielta because he was atrocious. Um, and I don't want to bang on and bad mouth Craig Cathcart because we've all seen that he's been fantastic for his club and that, but. And we, we've all said at the start of the season that he's slowly falling into the mould of Adrian Mariapa of what he was like at the football club towards the end of his career. And unfortunately, it's happening to Craig Cathcart now. Um, I don't get why he's starting all the time. I, I understand that we won away at Norwich and Cisco wanted to give the players that picked up the three points another go and see if they can go again. But Cathcart was possibility to blame for the Norwich goal where the ball went over the top and he kind of left it for Foster to come out when it really Cathcock should have maybe dealt with it a little bit better. So 
and we've got we've got Christian Cavaselli, who's a better defender at the moment in my eyes than mm. Craig Cathcart. Craig Cathcart's too slow to react at the moment, and it's just it's just making unforced errors all the time. For example, at the weekend he he, he crossed the he passed the ball along our six yard box, which in it Newcastle need capitalised on. He, he played a ball back, which he was hoping for Foster to go to, and left him in no man's land, which Mar- um, sent Matamunk. Should have, he should have done better in school yeah, as well. So, yeah, um, Cathcart, he, he he shouldn't be anywhere near the, a Premier League starting lineup in my eyes for any side in this Premier League. I think Norwich have better defenders than Crave Cathcart, and that, that's being harsh. Yeah. Um, I, I am going to start putting posters up around Watford asking where Sirioter is because I have no idea <laughs> where he is or what. Cisco's planning is is he is he looking forward to the Leeds game and thinking no I'm going to give him a week off because he played against Stoke didn't he midweek um, James I think you was there and you saw his performance yeah, did, was, did he yeah. did yeah. did he do okay did he do anything wrong did he do something where Cisco thought yeah I'm not playing him he's he's, he's cost us here no I don't think he did. I don't really think any anyone really did anything wrong against Stoke because we we pretty much dominated that game and, and they just took their chances you know we've seen. Um, what Zisco did with Ben Wilmot towards the end of last season, you know, freezing him out of the squad and, and ultimately Ben Wilmot moved on. And, you know, when he was playing for Stoke against us, he looked absolutely class. And, you know, I'd much rather have Ben Wilmot at the club at the moment than Craig Cathcart. So, you know, a few baffling decisions have been made. Um, if Sirielta doesn't come back in for Leeds, then, you know, some serious questions do have to be asked because, you know, he's not injured. And, you know, Adam Leventhal confirmed that he was in the stands um, watching the game just in his normal clothes. So, you know, very, very concerning from, from Sirielta's perspective. Do you think there could have been a fallout then in that case, James, beyond the scenes with Cisco and Sirielta? Which, I, let's be honest, I think we'd find it hard to believe because Sirielta was, was brought in on Cisco's first game and we didn't really look back from then, did we? So do you think there's a possibility of a fallout or could it be tactical? You know, we, we've seen Dan Backman... Uh, I think there were a few pictures of him in the training ground on his Instagram and it looked like he was sort of fighting towards full fitness. But then again, the other day we were told that it was a tactical decision and there's been a few changes. It's it's almost as if Cisco's showing us that these mainstays from last season, they're not guaranteed minutes this season and he will drop people if, if he feels the need to. Yeah, it's just, I find it a bit, I just find it a bit odd that, you know, I think the fit, you know, as as the you know, going back to the Dan Batman situation very briefly, as mm. defenders, you know, you want to know who your starting keeper is going to be. Now, Zisco obviously has a big pair of balls on him because he's prepared to to make these changes that that he wants to. You know, chopping and changing the keeper, yeah. um, dropping Sirielta from the squad. But I think that we need some continuity. And you know, just from just by Sirielta making one mistake against Wolves doesn't mean he should be dropped for two Premier League games in a row. It's literally you know, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So unless it's something to do with that international issue where, where you know, where FIFA said we have to release Sirielta to go play for Chile, that's really the only explanation I can think of because otherwise it's it's totally down to Zisco's decision-making, really. Yeah. Did you see about Adam Leventhal actually said in the Athletic that it could be down to where his head's at at the moment? Maybe after the Wolves game, maybe he hasn't dealt with it well after having the own goal and then possibly he was maybe to blame for their second goal as well. And you make a very good point there about the international um, situation with Chile as well, not being able to go play for his international country. Has that unsettled him a little bit? And and the day after he played the Wolves game, so is his head not really in it at the moment? And Cisco maybe can see that and thinks, I can't play him yet until he sorts his head out. I, do you know what, Ben? I think that's actually an, a really, really interesting point that you make there. Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have thought of that myself personally. So fair play for, for coming up with that one. And he, he was gutted, you know, when, when he was told he couldn't play for Chile. I think there was a um, an interview or he spoke to the Watford Observer and he sort of said how gutted he was. I think he put it on Instagram as well, as you would be if you had to miss out on your international, you know, debut. Uh, not debut, sorry, international sort of games you'd be gutted wouldn't you and obviously then the day after he goes we actually said you know watch him you know maybe score an own goal or play an absolute stinker and 
unfortunately, I wouldn't say he played a stinker, but he scored an own goal. And like you say, Ben, you know, could have maybe done a little bit better to prevent that second one from being crossed in originally. Um, so, I, look, it, it could well be. That this this is the first spell we've really seen his confidence maybe take a knock. But my answer to that would be, why Craig Kafka? Why not Christian Cabaselli? Because we know that Christian Cabaselli, yeah, he's got a mistake in him sometimes, but... I think that Christian Cabaselli is a better defender than Craig Cathcart. Easy may be looking at it from a point of view of Craig Cathcart has got vast experience in the Premier League. Um, but, you know, it is a really, really strange one. And I think the Leeds sort of team lineup is going to be an interesting one for, for sure, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, obviously the rest of the team was unchanged. James, just staying with you for the moment, was you surprised to see... The, rest, the, the team basically unchanged, or was you was you expecting that, or what was what was your thoughts on the rest of the team moves, other than the no. you know things that we've highlighted so far? Yeah, it's pretty much um, what I expected. Obviously, we've discussed the Serialta situation. I'd much prefer him to play next to next to Chuster Kong, but but really, apart from that, um, you know, Dennis King Saar, that's the front three, three I expect. Um, mm. Maybe two fan in for cleverly because I thought two fan um, looked really good against Stoke, but but really, apart from that, I, w- I was relatively happy with the team and, and I expected a, a much better performance than than we actually saw in that first half, especially. Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I would ask Ben, but I think he's had to, you might have heard uh, some crying in the background. That wasn't Ben crying at Sierra Elta's absence. That, that was his daughter. <laughs> so he has had to just run off for a second. But um, the <laughs> talking about the game now, Jones, Newcastle, yeah. I, I put a tweet out on my personal Twitter. Newcastle had... They, I don't know if this went ahead. You boys will be able to tell me this or not. But they planned a protest. They had five key players missing. They hadn't won this season. And I just thought, this is such a typical Watford game to go and lose or, or mess up. In in terms of everything that went on, how did you think we started, James, against Newcastle? Because, let's be honest, they were there for the taking, really, weren't they? Oh yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, it's a little bit hostile outside the ground just just before the game. They had a few banners outside, and you know, throughout the game, they were constantly you know chanting Steve Bruce to to leave the club, and you know that hostile atmosphere. I think you know transferred to the rest of the Watford Stadium. Really, you know, where I was sitting, everyone seemed quite aggressive, seemed quite depressed at, at the whole situation, and. You know, I'm not sure why that was really, but from the very start of the game, you know, the referee making his Premier League debut as well, it just felt very. Oh, don't get me started, James. Oh, yeah, Jesus. Oh, don't worry. We'll, I'm going to ask Ben the next about the <laughs> Mr. Gillett's performance. So, yeah, carry on, James. Yeah. No. <laughs> but, yeah, but, for, you know, the first couple of minutes was, was promising. I think Josh King setting Emmanuel Dennis down the left hand side, got a shot saved. Good double um, save that was that, from Darla. Yeah, really. Yeah, that I mean, looked really promising at that point, but but after that, it just really tailed off. Newcastle, you know, time wasting tactics from the off, um, and really, this is where you know the refereeing performance kind of plays into it. And you know, for, for me, I never really want to blame the ref on you know a Watford performance and how we perform, but you know, Ben, he definitely you were there, Ben. He definitely affected the game, didn't he? A hundred percent. It felt like he just made it about himself. There was a lot of news going into the weekend, hearing about was going to have an overseas ref in the Premier League for the first time in history. It just felt like he made it all about himself. He didn't have control of the game, I thought. He was he was giving things to Newcastle that he wasn't giving to Watford, for example. We got pulled down on one side. I think he was... Was it Saar got rugby tackled pretty much? Yeah, his mind was targeted. Yeah, he got nothing happened. A few minutes later... Dennis did exactly the same to one of their players. Yellow card came out straight away. And it was like, come on. And you just knew after that it was going to be one of those afternoons. The ref didn't have control of the game at all. Um, Kushka as well, he, he won the ball and he was driving forward. He, he ran forward for about 20, 30 yards. And Almiron was holding his face when um, Kushka actually touched his chest. But yeah. because he was rolling around on the floor holding his head, 
the ref looked back and was like, oh no, I need to stop the game because it was a head injury. And we was in a really good position. We was counter-attacking Newcastle and we could have maybe had a really good opportunity to score. And it was just one of those afternoons and oh, don't even get me started on VAR. The VAR, he, he pointed to the centre circle after being told it was disallowed. Like, come on. Like, we all erupted going, oh, all right, then it's onside. And then he was like, no, 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 blew his whistle again and then pointed for the offside. It was like, yeah. fucking hell, mate, come on. <laughs> Yeah, I was wondering if we were going to have to insert the strong language warning at the start, but uh, yeah, that's just confirmed that we have. Um, do, do you know what? Obviously, you boys were there. I, I obviously wasn't there, but I was so, so surprised and sort of left a little bit disappointed as well. And this might sound sad to some people, but, uh, you know, with, with me being a former referee, I do I do like to see, you know, new referees get given a chance. I, I, I still stand by you know, the fact that the referees that got promoted last season um, did it on, on very good, you know, on merit. They were very good last season. You know, the last time that Gillett um, refereed us was the 2-1 home defeat to QPR and then he also did the uh, 4-1 against Preston at home and then he did the 0-0 away at Sheffield Wednesday. So, you know, we'd, we'd seen him a couple of times last season and I think he, he, he did relatively well, you know, he... He, he, he did what he needed to do and there's a lot of positive things and everyone's seen the clip of when they were experimenting, miking up referees over in Australia. He was the one that was chosen and he was very, very good. His communication was superb and ev- everything. So, you know, you can tell that he, he's, his communication is very good and you can tell that he's quite a chilled out referee sort of thing. But I was very, very surprised to hear how bad of a game he had. Um, so... You know, Watching let... him at the weekend shows that he's not ready for the Premier League football. He was totally out of his depth. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it, it is surprising to hear. It really is because, you know, seeing him last season, I think he was, like I say, he was very, very good. So to, to hear that, he's, uh, he's a little bit it's, disappointed. It's difficult for you to say anything bad about refs, isn't it? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, sort of. Um, yeah, I, I just, I, I feel sorry for him. I mean, look, he'll probably... Get a, if the if they're looking at that performance and viewing it the same as what uh, Watford fans, uh, you know the the PGMO um, I think it's called, they um, then he'll get demoted. He'll maybe get put back in the Championship or a League One game, uh, and then he'll get given another shot at the Premier League as well because he has made that step up to the select group. So contractually, he will have to do Championship games. Uh, anyway, but yeah, uh, it, it is a shame to hear that, and you know, it, it's it's not good. And you know, maybe next time we get him, he uh, he feels sorry for us and maybe gives us a few decisions. But going back to the football, before we go way off topic here and just talk about the referee, um, James did say, you know, after that sort of maybe first ten or so minutes where we looked on top and had a few sort of chances, Newcastle did grow into the game. Um, now. I watched the highlights uh, that the club put out. I think they were the, the longer highlights and I watched Match of the Day as well, uh, just after as well. And it was evident to me that Ben Foster made various saves to keep us in the game uh, because Newcastle absolutely peppered our goal. But I will say this, uh, I think he should have done a lot better with Sean Longstaff's goal. Um, 23 minutes on the clock, James. Sean Longstaff yeah. put one, you know, I think it was the edge of the area. Possibly, yeah. I can't remember if it was cleared from a corner or not, but edge of the area, um, you'd expect Foster to either palm it away or catch it or whatever. He palms it away and then he just pushes it into the goal and it's not good enough for me. I, I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, so San Maximin actually laid it off to him and you know he got the shot off. And from where I was sitting, because I'm not behind the goal, it, it looked like a fantastic strike in, in the top right-hand corner, but... You know, as you say, watching it back on TV and on YouTube, you know, Ben Foster got a full, you know, palm hand to that. Um, and he, he just wasn't strong enough, really. And, you know, he just let, let it go into the net. And it just looked like quite weak goalkeeping to me. And, you know, every week we seem to sit here and, and criticise a mistake from whoever's playing in goal, whether it be Foster or Backman. And, you know, I know Foster's made this mistake, but I'm still, you know, under the... I, I still think we should back him and, and keep him in goal. You know, I don't think we should be changing Foster for Batman or for Elliot each week. It just seems, you know, ridiculous that, you know, we are having this discussion every week. But, you know, I do totally agree. It was really, really poor keeping. And, you know, we've seen that from Foster's positioning and, you know, 
and kicking especially can sometimes be really weak and you know he showed that yesterday but as you say later in the game he, he did make some crucial saves as well so swings and roundabouts for me really I, I don't think it was just down to Foster for that goal though what's really annoyed me about this was Sean's um, Longstaff was standing on the edge of a box on about three or four occasions. That was his third shot from distance. No, no one got close enough to him to shut that down. So for starters, we shouldn't have allowed him to get that shot away. Someone should have been charging down there to try and get a block on it. And then Foster, yeah, I totally agree. It was a weak hand to try and keep it out. I was right behind it. I f- but when it was coming in, it looked like he had like a proper hand onto it, but it, like his hand disappeared underneath the ball and it just went into the back of the net. But for me, that was a, his third attempt and he found his accuracy, long stuff, and just found the back of the net and it was it was totally avoidable. Yeah, I'd seen a few things on uh, social media as I, I was scrolling through it after the game on Saturday and... As James said, that that ever sort of debate will be there, Backman or Foster, and I saw a few people calling for Backman to go back in, and I'm watching the the highlights, and I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute, and listen, this isn't to say that Backman wouldn't be able to make all of the, um, you know, make all of these saves as well, but I thought that Foster, Ben, I don't know about you, but I thought Foster kept us in the game, other than that, um, you know, goal that we conceded. Yeah, I thought he had a really good game bar the goal uh, he kept us in it massively and I think if Backman was in goal maybe he wouldn't have kept us in it as much as Foster did because he pulled out some really fantastic saves for him to st- stand up for as long as possible and Maximum was through one on one to him as well and to get a foot on it was really good goalkeeping I thought by Ben Foster he, he delayed Maximum yeah. there and then allowed Cavcart and Truce Econ to get behind the ball as well which was really good so fair play to Ben Foster for that one um, I mean so, it must yeah, have been about two or three one-on-one opportunities in the game, Ben, where, where someone was set through on goal by Newcastle and, you know, he made himself big and, you know, he, he, he did, you know, he did keep the scoreline down from, from being maybe 1-1 to, you know, three or four. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, that one stands out for me is that, that last 30 seconds, which was absolutely havoc, wasn't it? Um, for Maximum to great, great uh, vision for him to even play that ball through and to see that um, Murphy was going to run onto it. And Murphy was... I don't know what Murphy was thinking in his head. He, he tried to dink it, didn't he, over Foster, but Foster, he just stood for as long as possible. And luckily, it was such a poor attempt. And then Foster, it's great, great thinking by Foster to just bowl the ball out straight away and moves on the attack straight away. So, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of praise for Ben Foster. I know we've just said about the goal that he conceded. Maybe he should have got a stronger hand to it, but he, he did more positives in the games that he did negative. Yeah, I think the the set maximum one on one, especially, so so easy, and you see it so often. He could have just been clumsy, come out and took some maximum down, and it's a penalty, and it's possibly yeah. two nil. Um, the the save right at the end, again, he could have dived, you know, um, and then Murphy could have dinked it whilst he was diving, but he stood tall, and then as you say, bowled it out straight away, and I think. Was it Saar or King that missed the chance that come from that? Uh, King, it was just inches in front. I think Pedro put a bit too much onto it and yeah, yeah. King couldn't get onto it. Yeah, so, you know, I, I think personally, I think Ben Foster did keep us in that game and he had a very good game. So, you know, I'd be in no rush to, you know, have Backman back in goal. I certainly don't think we need to rush to have him back in because Foster's should have done better and we've Sean Longstaff's goal. So I'd, I'd expect Ben Foster to be starting at Ellen Road next weekend for sure. I, I totally agree with James as well, where he's saying about both the goalkeepers are pretty much on the same level as well. I don't mm-hmm. think one's majorly better than the other. I think no. we've got an issue in the goalkeeping department where I don't think either of them are maybe good enough to be starting week in, week out. And that's why Cisco's had to make the change early on. Look, Foster came out the side last season because of he had he had the finger, uh, broken finger and then Batman came in and, and did very well. But let's be honest, Batman didn't really have to do too much in the championship because of what was in front of him and exactly. we was attacking the league. So Truce Econ and Serialta helped him out massively. Now we're in the Premier League, obviously we're going to see more um, shots faced for the goalkeepers now and Batman he could have done better for the game against Spurs where it went in but we're going to see them tested a lot more this season but I don't think one keeper deserves to play more than the other and it was down to Cisco to swap the goalkeepers round and I don't think Foster's done too much wrong to come back out so for me Foster's back to being our number one at the club yeah yeah I certainly agree you know and 
unless something drastic changes. And, you know, if Bachman is injured when he's fully fit, I, I wouldn't, you know, necessarily expect him to just plonk him straight back in the starting eleven. He has to earn it. And, you know, Foster, I'm sure, will keep fighting to keep his number one jersey and keep his, his spot in the starting eleven. But um, going into half-time, not what we expected. As I said, you know, so many things going wrong for Newcastle at the moment. And I just did not want... want I did not want Watford to go and do the most Watfordy thing in the world and go and make it difficult. But that's exactly what we did. First half, not good enough. 1-0 down at the break. Something had to change in the second half. And at half-time, we saw Ozan Tufan make way for Tom Cleverley. Jones, what did you... Uh, you know, there were a lot of good things said about Tufan's performance and debut against Stoke in the Cup. What did you make of his 45 minutes against uh, against Newcastle on Saturday? No, he was he was absolutely superb. He was the game changer for me, really, in that second half. And, and just quickly to note on Tom Cleverley, it was actually a concussion substitution why why he went off through. Right. I think he collided with with Carl Darlow not not too long into that first half, and he didn't really play very well after that. So Darlow yeah, took his head off. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought I thought it was a penalty initially, but but maybe not. I've, I've not really watched that that um, situation. Yeah, back. I know what one you're on about now. I I thought he got he, he was very lucky to get away with um with with not giving a penalty away there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely agree. But yeah, on two fan, he was he was really really good. Drove us forward. I think that's what we've been missing from the midfield for a while. And you know, he, he created a lot of opportunities. His passing was fantastic. He's he's really physical and. You know, I'd really like to see him start against Leeds because he, you know, he's the reason why why we got back into that game. Really, just absolutely superb. You know, all our forward play really um, went through him, spreading it out to the flanks, and yeah, he, he looked really, really good. Yeah, Ben, you put a tweet out on our Twitter and uh, on Instagram saying Ozan Tufan has to start against Leeds. Are your thoughts very similar to James's? Yeah, I totally agree with James. He changed the game for us. We needed something different in that midfield because it was very static. We weren't really getting the best out of our midfield. Let's be honest, we've not really got our best out of our midfield three all season, have we? We've not really had that attacking intent. What I liked about Tufan was his first initial thought when he received the ball was to get it forward. Either he passed it forward or he drives forward with the ball. And that created opportunities, it created space. And then he, he actually made four chances in those 45 minutes for Watford as well. And... I really like the look of him and if you, we need to create opportunities and help out with front three, we need a player like Tufan and his ability on the ball to start week in, week out. And I, f- I think, especially after Tom Cleverley's picked up a concussion injury, I don't think he'll be risked at all for Leeds. So for me, Tufan has to start. Yeah, yeah. And hearing you two talk about how he, he just looked to get the ball forward at every time. That reminds me of a certain midfielder that we let go in, a, in the last transfer window, Will Hughes. And who knows what he could maybe live up to if he could maybe even mirror those performances from Will Hughes or if he can go on better and be even better than Will Hughes. But early signs sound good of us and too fun. And hopefully, as you say, Ben, uh, we, we'll probably see him starting at Ellen Road and maybe in place of Tom Cleverley. Who knows? But... Um, we also saw in the second half the return of João Pedro. We've not seen him since May, I think it is. Uh, he got injured, possibly. I think it was May. Um, yeah. Ben, what did you make of João Pedro's return and, uh, well, return to Vicarage Road? Yeah, it was bright and lively, and that's what you expect from João Pedro. He, yeah. he gets on the ball, he shows no fear, he wants to create opportunities, and he's going to run at you as well. Um, so it, it was just what you expected from João Pedro. I thought it was a good cameo appearance. He almost cre- he almost set up Joshua King in the last few seconds without ball into the box as well. But yeah, I'm pleased he's back because it's more attacking options and it's going to cause opposition more problems as well. So really pleased that João Pedro came on. The only issue for me maybe was he came on for Kushka. Um, Kushka wasn't great at the weekend again. I think he set the bar too high with that performance against Aston Villa and he can't really get up to that standard again. But the substitution was bringing him on and it kind of opened up our midfield and I thought when that change happened Newcastle had it, the game changed again so Watford started really well first 10-15 minutes of the second half we made that substitution I felt like the game changed again because we then left a massive hole in our midfield where we was expecting Sissoko just to sit in that the midfield and break everything up but he's not kind of that player who's going to get his foot in and break up play so we kind of played into Newcastle's hands a little bit in my opinion what did you think about it James? 
Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with Ben, and it it did change, you know, the formation. We we pretty much went went to a four four two formation, um, and as Ben said, it gave Newcastle the impetus. But I thought Pedro did look really really bright, um, and you know the attacking options we've got now. We've got Pedro and Cucho, King, Dennis, and Saar. You know, that's five options there for three positions, and five really really high quality options as well. So really really positive that Pedro's back. Um, showed some good glimpses, as Ben said. That cross, you know, into the box that that King could have scored really late on. Um, but yeah, pretty much absolutely agree with Ben. Um, Newcastle start to control the game again about 65 minutes in, and then uh, not too long after that, Watford got the goal through through his mile of star. Yeah, absolutely. And just before that, you know, you say Kushka maybe didn't have the greatest of games. I, I thought he uh, I thought he'd snuck that one in that free kick in the uh, in in the first half. I think it was. He had a free yeah, kick. Yeah, it looked closer than it actually did back on the yeah. TV as well. When I was watching Unlucky. it, I thought, oof, only just. But yeah. Surprised to see him take that, actually. You know, yeah. that, who, who, who is our free kick taker this season? I've not, I've not really. I know Dennis has taken a few. I, looking at that starting lineup, I would say. A true Seacorn, um, you've seen his free kicks in training. Beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can't do that on a pitch on match day, though, can he? So, yeah, because the wall jumps. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, he's not. He's not um, taking him against plastic cones is he but um i i don't know you know maybe kushka is a man to, to take it I, we've never really seen sar take him he doesn't strike me as a type sissoko he looks like he'd have a rocket shot on him so i don't know <laughs> erzan too fun as well and we've got imran loser but imran loser doesn't get a game in the league so yeah who knows uh but as as james said uh, it wasn't long until we did grab that equaliser 72 minutes on the clock corner comes in from Danny Rose and it was a flick on at the near post from Josh King who who said that he was just blocking his man because he, he was just you know trying to get in the, the, the way of him and make himself awkward. He saw the ball come into him. He didn't think he had enough to get it on target and try and head it into the goal so he just flicked it on and there at the back post Ishmael Lassar peeled off his man and uh, headed it not into an empty net because he did evade Darlow, but there was a man on the post and well, a man on the line as well. But that header wasn't, you know, wasn't being stopped, and um, it was one-one. And James, the sounded like when I was watching it back, it, it about took the roof off, and uh, maybe a, a massive sigh of relief in Vicarage Road when that goal went in. Oh yeah, the scenes and that goal in were, were absolutely fantastic and something we've missed for a while. So I don't think we've scored a Premier League goal at Vicarage Road since that Aston Villa game. So it, so it has been quite a long time um, since we scored a Premier League goal at Vicarage Road. But yeah, fantastic from Saar, up to four goals now this season. And you know, how often are we asking for someone just to be on that back post in case the ball you know sneaks around there or takes a deflection, flick on? That's exactly what happened on Saturday. And you know, Saar was there to bury the header and and 1-1, and the players really looked up for it after that. The atmosphere was back again. The crowd was singing. The rookery was, you know, how, how we want the rookery to be. So, yeah, absolutely fantastic. And, you know, after that, we really um, did look promising going forward. Yeah, well, he's, James said it there, Ben. We looked promising going forward after that. And a goal sort of that late on. Well, I say that late on, you know, there was still 18 minutes left. But, you know, a, a goal sort of in the sort of later knockings of the game um, with us being the home team as well the crowd would have really got behind us no doubt uh, behind the players sorry no doubt um, and 87 minutes on the clock uh, I think he, I can't remember who it was that played the ball through it might even have been Saar himself but um, or, or it, I think was it Etebo that played the ball through I think, the, I think it might have been a, I think it might have been um, Sissoko yeah I think yeah Sissoko's shot saved and I think it came out to King who tapped it in yeah, so the, the ball went in, uh, shot saved, as, as James has just said. Cardalo spilt it, probably should have held on to it as well. I mean, it, it doesn't matter now anyway because he was offside. But um, he, spilt on, he, he spilt it. Josh King was there, quick as you like, tapped it into the net. And I thought the roof would come off for Ishmael Asar's goal. But my God, I was watching the celebrations and had goosebumps. Like, everyone was like... The, the absolute limbs in the rookery ends. Everyone was jumping up and down. King took his top off through it. You could tell how relieved he was that he'd got his first goal for Watford. And better still, it come in like three minutes from time in front of the rookery at the Vic. Um, celebrations were going on and on. It looked absolutely wild. And then VAR 
replay, it shows that three of our players were offside. So he couldn't have really got away with that. You know, if it was one and he was marginally, then yeah, you have the right to be pissed off a little bit. But three of them were offside, um, and it just it wasn't to be. But Ben, um, I, listen, I know it, it didn't count, but what was you thinking when that went in? I bet it was Bedlam, wasn't it, in that in the rookery end? Well, yeah, you just you lose yourself, don't you, when yeah. things like that happen, especially when we were starting to pile pressure on. I must say it was really good work from Danny Rose on the left-hand side yes. because he, he was struggling to get past his man. I think he ended up on the floor and he kept hold of the ball. He got up, pushed his man up, released the ball to Pedro. Pedro played it off to Sissoko and that was Sissoko's shot into the on target and Darlow spilled it but yeah what what a signing Danny Rose is turning out to be he is showing everything that, that uh, Adam Messina is meant to be as a left back because he's been absolutely solid since he's came in and I love that fire in his belly and he gets stuck in and he just goes through men as well but he wins the ball there's a difference you can go through people and win the ball and you can get away with it and that's what Danny Rose is doing at the moment and just love his passion but yeah absolutely lose yourself when situations go like that especially when you know it's, it's getting close to the end of the game as well and just the think you've just scored the winner in front of a rookery as well. I've really felt for Joshua King because he had a really good game again. He's, he's grown in confidence. We've all said that once he gets that goal, he'll, he'll grow into confidence even more. But you can just tell those assists that he did with Saar last week, that's grew in his confidence as well. And he had another really good performance as well and just gutted for him that he was offside. But like he said as well, even if he was onside, the other two people would have been offside, which would have disallowed the goal because they were pretty obstructing the goalkeeper's view. So... Just, just a shame, isn't it? But it, I, I, I know it will come soon. He'll just keep working hard, keep his head down, keep what, doing what he's doing because everything he's doing is brilliant. He's leading the line really well. He's the number nine that we've all wanted for a long time. He's more mobile. He works hard for the team. His work rate's brilliant. Yeah. It will come. It will come. Well, you, you called it. You said he was going to score against Newcastle. I now, said did, Patrick, didn't I? You did, yeah. <laughs> so a little bit underwhelming in terms of the, the end result. Uh, but yeah, I, I genuinely agree. I think he's got three assists now. He got the assist for for Saar in this game. Um, he's, he is claiming two assists uh, at Carrow Road as well. And it's interesting to note if he gets just one more assist, that will be his best assist record in his career. The most assists he's achieved in one season was 1920, the year that Bournemouth went down, the year that we went down as well. Uh, he got four assists in 26 games along with six goals. So he's he's just one off that record. So, you know, the more assists you get, the more confident you are. He, he said he, he loves playing with Ishmael and uh, Emmanuel Dennis as well. And those three, we know will score goals this season. So it really isn't long until Josh King gets his first goal for Watford. And hopefully it's this, this Saturday against Leeds. But... Unfortunately, as I said, you know, it was chalked off for offside and the final score was Watford 1, Newcastle 1. Um, I'll have my say first and then, James, if you want to have your say. Um, personally, yes, it was good to, to see us fight back in the second half and yes, we got a point and you have to pick up points here and there in the Premier League. But for me, uh, on a personal level, I don't think a point was good enough in that game purely because of the, the sort of reasons, well everything factoring everything in terms of Newcastle's on-field and off-field troubles uh, they hadn't won a game all season we were at home and I personally think we should have been coming away with no less than three points in that game what what's your thoughts on it were you happy with a point did you we are you a bit peed off with a point did you want you know do you think we should be getting away with three points there what what's your thoughts on the uh, on the on the result um, it's just, I just found it very, very disappointing because, yeah. you know, if we, if we, if we had won that game 2-1 through Josh King, you know, I, I would have been sitting here saying, you know, I'm really happy with the win, but it was probably undeserved on, yeah. on what we showed because we didn't really create enough chances to win the game. And, you know, if Newcastle had taken theirs, you know, we'd be sitting here four five nil down. So, you know, it, it was a concerning performance. I'll take the point, um, because the performance was so poor. But, you know, there's a lot of now pressure on, on that Leeds game. Because after Leeds, you know, November, end of October, oh, we've got God. ridiculous Don't. fixtures. <laughs> yeah. You know, Arsenal, Man United, Leicester, Chelsea, City. It's just absolutely insane. So, you know, Leeds, you know, it's going to be much tougher than Newcastle. They've got quality players. They play attacking football. Um, Have a what game, say, though, James. 
haven't won a game. But what I would say about Leeds is because they do attack so much, there will be that space in behind for King, um, Dennis, Saar, Saar to run in behind. So that, that would be my only positive I can, I can take looking at the game at the moment. But yeah, you know, I wanted the three points ideally. Yeah. Ben, your thoughts on the, on the point in the end? Disappointed and relieved. Um, yeah. Because, like James says, it wasn't a great performance and we could have very easily lost it late on there if, if Murphy popped it in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just relieved that we managed to get away with a point because, if anything, I think maybe New- Newcastle had the better chances in the game. If 100%. they had an actual finisher, we would have ended up losing that 4-5-1 uh, because Watford didn't really have any clear-cut chances. Um you can't count the VAR as a clear cut because it was ruled off the side. Um, so Newcastle, they were much better than us. I think we were very lucky to come away with a point. I know Josh King said it was a point was fair. I, I think point was very lucky. Um, I'll take it. Um, if you average a point every every game, I think we've, what we've played six games and we've got seven points so far. Mm-hmm. If you average a point every game, you're going to stay up in this league. So we're well on well on the way to achieve that but like James says we've got a very sticky period coming up October and November is going to be very difficult for the club we need to try and pick up some points along the way can we do it leads at the weekend I like what James is saying I think we could set up very well for attacking football away at Leeds I think we'll do very similar to what we did at Norwich where the pace in behind is going to kill them um, well not kill them it's going to hurt them kills probably a bit um, bit aggressive isn't it um, but yeah we, we've we've got the pace to hurt them and if we can maybe keep it tight we really need to change the back line especially with the uh, car he cannot start another premier league game for us this season um yeah. not at center half anyway i can see him maybe doing a job over the right if in or Kafka or uh, if um kiko was out injured i must say i was a bit disappointed with kiko at the weekend james what was your thoughts on it um, I think after the Norwich game, we, we was always going to be disappointed because he, he was, he, you know, the levels he, he showed in that game were, were just top, top class, 10 out of 10 performance against Norwich. Uh, today, today, I just think the flow of the game really didn't help him. You know, every 30 seconds, you know, the referee was blowing up for a foul or, or some mm. issue. Um, you know, I think I think Saar was really well marked out the game by Newcastle as well. Saar didn't really get many chances to, to run up the back line. And, you know, when, when Saar's marked out the game, it's very difficult for Kiko to then, you know, ha- have a connection with him and, and overlap because, you know, that's what they're so good at. You know, Kiko overlapping Saar or Saar overlapping Kiko. Um, you know, that's what they're most good at. And, you know, if, if one of them, you know, Saar or Kiko's marked out the game, then it's going to be very, very difficult for, for them to make an impact. What I'd like Cisco to do, though, is when when we're getting marked up against in those situations, and he doesn't do any changes till half time. I'm not asking for like a substitution change. I'm asking for like a tactical change where it felt like Saar had to go looking for the ball in the end in that first half. He he was drifting yeah. in the middle and he was doing it on his own accord. If things aren't working on that side, I would switch Saar and Dennis over just to give the fullbacks something different to think about because obviously, yeah. They're, they're dealing with the situation. We're not getting any joy out of that. I would like my manager to maybe switch it up a little bit and not wait till half-time because we can't keep on wasting 45 minutes in every game and try and fix it at half-time. For me, that's not good enough. Yeah, I don't I've... think we utilised Dennis enough either in that game, Ben. You know, I think that, you know, Saar Sa- Sa- is the guy for us. I think we all know that. You know, every club, you know, around our level seems to have their guy. You've got Zaha at Crystal Palace. Uh, Tony at Brentford, you know, Saar is our guy. You know, mm. I just don't think that King and Dennis don't. I don't, I don't think they they do enough on on their own. And if if Saar's not performing, you know, is I, I just think that we lack something up front. And maybe a formation change is needed. You know, depending on the team we're playing. I, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I'd I'd like us to be a bit more flexible and changing it up, especially when. You know what, Newcastle were going to come in. They're going to frustrate us. Like there was time wasting so early on into the game as well. There was it was like a typical like Steve Bruce performance. Really, he was coming in. He wanted to get the home crowd against the referee and against our own players, and they played it well. To be fair, but what I want, I want Cisco to try and be two steps ahead. Like. Oh, if they're going to do this, it's fine because we've got another ace up our sleeve and we'll play it and we'll just sort out the situation. But for me, that just hasn't happened. Um, I just want a little bit more out of him. I'm not, I'm not slating Cisco. I just feel like I think he's done well this season in the Premier League. I think he's doing better than 
a lot of people expected. I don't think, what, we're six games in, we've got seven points. I think we need to be a bit more glass half full than half empty. We're 11th in the Premier League. I think we're doing pretty well, um, considering we've brought in a lot of players this season. Uh, they need to gel. Um, some of them haven't played much football for a long time. Sissoko at Spurs. Um, you've got Tufan coming in, who's only just had 45 minutes against... Um, Newcastle at the weekend, that was his first Premier League appearance. Yes, he played against Stoke, but different competition. So, and Dennis, he was in and out of sides over in Germany and Belgium as well. So, And, and Josh King didn't get a look in at Everton. So I think it's going to be a work in progress, isn't it? It's going, to, it's going to take time for it all to gel. And I think the squad and Cisco so far are doing OK. I don't think they're doing great. I just think they're doing OK and there's room for improvement. Yeah. Yeah, some some good points made there, lads. And I don't know, if, do you need me next week, or are you too happy to just <laughs> chat like that, man? I I, I think well, you've just talked me out of a job, you two have. Well, we do need you next week because you're actually going to Leeds away, so that will help. <laughs> yeah, no, that's very true. Um, <laughs> now, in all seriousness, Leeds are there to be gotten at. They've conceded the joint second most in the league. Norwich with 16, and then Newcastle and Leeds both conceded 14. So they're there to be, you know, you, you can get at them. Um, we've conceded nine and scored seven. Leeds have scored six. So we know that you can get goals against them, but the worry is, as James said, um, Marco Bielsa's teams, even this year, they just run and run and run. They don't sign, They don't show any signs of like tiring or anything. A bit like Usyk against Joshua on Saturday night. Like, <laughs> it's just non-stop, non-stop, non-stop. So um, if we can... Play in behind them, you know, get get behind them and get in behind the defensive line and that. You know, we've got the players, um, then who knows, it could be a, a sort of open scoring game and hopefully we can come away with, with some sort of point or points. Um, it'd be nice. I um, I do think, though, we need to pick up three points purely because we couldn't get three points against Newcastle. Uh, the run that we've got coming up, as James has, uh, you know, rightly highlighted uh, to be quite frank is so so scary (laughs) it is no it is it's like what the fuck like we've got after Leeds we've got Liverpool at home uh, Everton away Southampton at home you'd argue you can maybe get Sonny at Everton and Sonny against Southampton but then it's Arsenal away Man U at home Leicester away Chelsea at home Man City at home and you're like Oh my God! Like before, then you you two weeks into December, and you're coming up to Christmas. We could very easily get zero points out of Arsenal, Man U, Le- Leicester, Chelsea, and Man City. Five games without a win, and you're staring relegation in in the face. Like we uh, don't forget as well. We've got Liverpool at home as well. So out of the next four games before that dreaded run, you, you're looking at Everton game to hopefully pick a point up I'd take a point at Goodison Park you're looking at Southampton in my eyes we need three points and Leeds purely because it's away um, I would be happy with a point but if you're basing it on how they've been so far this season then yeah really we need to come away with a win but it it is scary and it, it does worry me a little bit but Listen, we're Watford. We've got a knack of picking up points against the so-called top six. Uh, we do it every season that we've been in the Premier League since 15-16. So let's hope that feat continues and we can get some points in that dreaded, dreaded run in November time. But um, but yeah, just just a, a, a couple of quick things in terms of te- television and game changes. Um, the game at the Emirates Stadium away at Arsenal uh, just mentioned a minute ago. That's the first game of that dreaded run. That's been moved to Sunday, the November the seventh, and it's now a two p.m. kickoff live on Sky Sports. Now, I was really annoyed with this because I think I mentioned it on a previous podcast, but my boss has got us tickets as a, a work, as a collective. He's an Arsenal fan, and he's got us all like posh tickets, basically in the posh seats at Arsenal. Um, to the Arsenal-Watford game. So we were all sort of hoping, we were looking at the games around that time and we're baffled as to why they've moved it to the Sunday. You've got various teams that are playing on Thursday because and Wednesday and Thursday because of Champions League and Europa League participation, yet they're still playing on the Saturday. Uh, the Manchester Derby's being played at Saturday midday. 
that's an odd one. Usually they change that to Sunday. So I, I, I'm i a little bit annoyed about that one. I'm not going to lie. But um, yeah, it is what it is. And then um, the two other changes relate to Leicester City's Europa League participation due to their Thursday night fixture. We'll now visit the King Power Stadium on the 28th of uh, November, which is a Sunday and we'll kick off at two. That one's not on TV. That's purely because of Leicester City and Europa League. Uh, another, another one which is probably going to be one that I can get to, uh, nice local one, Leicester is to me, uh, so fingers crossed I can get to that one. Again, a bit annoyed it's on a Sunday. Uh, can't drink as much when it's a Sunday game because I've got work the next day. Um, and I then... wondered why you was getting upset by it on a <laughs> Sunday. I, no, I didn't want to ask, but you, yeah, cheers. <laughs> no, the, the Arsenal game, I, uh, I've, I've been given it all clear to uh, have as many, as, have as many uh, lagers as I want, so yeah. Uh, and then... The last one is the home game, Chelsea. Um, our home game against Chelsea is currently scheduled for Tuesday, November the 30th. Uh, I, so that one's been changed, I would imagine, because of the uh, participation of um, of Chelsea in European football. Uh, so, yeah, no, only only the one game uh, for us on TV uh, after the, um, the, the latest picks were released. So only the uh, the one on TV. We are on TV against Liverpool as well. I believe there's an international break after the Leeds game. Uh, another one, for God's sake. I don't know why we need so many. But uh, after that, we're at home to Liverpool on BT Sport. Uh, but yeah, thank you so, so much, guys, for... Uh, for, for joining me, as always, to, to speak about Watford. So, unfortunately, it wasn't a win to dissect, but it wasn't a loss as well. So, we'll end it on a positive. Uh, we'll go into the Leeds game, which I've been very, very lucky to uh, to be able to go. Um, that That's going to be the first game of the season for me in terms of attending. So, I'm very, very looking forward to that one. And... Um, also, the after the international break, we're on TV, so I can watch that one as well, which is all good. Uh, but yeah, as I say, thank you guys for listening. Thanks for joining us as well. Uh, we we know it, it's you know whenever Watford lose, you sort of want to put it out your mind and move on to the next week. So that's why we thank you so much that you continue to listen, even when we don't win. You want to listen to what we have to say. Uh, but from myself, from Ben. And James, thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and come on, you horns. Sports Social Podcast Network.